What is up, rugby fans? It's Scott here at Safa Pod. A little bit later on, we'll be joined by Nicholas Janssen von Rensberg, current top 14 champion and Springbok lock. Before then, I'd like to welcome in my good friend, Keegan Hall. Steaks, how are you, mate? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. I'm wearing a hoodie, not because it's cold, but because... Uh, oh, there it is. I have to show you something. There it is. <laughs> mate, that is, it is gnarly. probably... Probably the thickest mullet you've ever seen, but I got I, it done. <laughs> I, th- I think that might be the 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 thickest mullet I've ever seen in my entire life. That is that is quite something. And you know what? I'm not gonna lie. I was not impressed getting it done. <laughs> the guy like <laughs> cut like a little bit just off my ears, and he's like, "Yeah, this way you can keep your long hair." And I looked at it, and I was like, "Scott's not gonna be. He's not gonna be happy no, with it, to be honest. No, no, like I've got to go full on, man." So he grabbed a huge chunk, cut it off, and my heart just broke. But I was like, you know what? You have to be a man of your word, and a deal's a deal. So the mullet's in. Personally, mate, I think it looks sick. Um, I'm a big fan. I am a very big (laughs) fan. Other than uh, getting rid of your very luscious curly locks over the weekend, did did you do anything else? Anything exciting? No, nothing nothing too exciting. I was actually sick this weekend, but I did manage to watch a few games, caught up on the Curry Cup, and then obviously the Heineken Cup final, which was probably one of the, the best games I've seen, man, in terms of drama and that, and um, how good it was. I mean, I was saying this to so somebody I know hadn't seen it yet, and he told me he was he'd avoided all the spoilers for it, and he was going to watch it on tuesday night and actually i cannot believe the fact that he's not seen it yet because it is it may be in the top five best games of rugby i've ever seen especially as a neutral i mean we had raymond rule on last week but i think that i was i was personally rooting for raymond and uh obviously there's yeah, no, also no. dylan lades too. i i I, I actually have beef with this, you know, because um, I'm actually not impressed with the podcast at the moment because we have these guys coming on and they're messing with my mojo. They're messing with my my teams that I support. I enjoy Leinster. I enjoy watching them play. They're, they're the Irish club that I that I want to see winning. But you throw a bloody nice guy like Raymond Rule in the mix and now I'm freaking supporting La Rochelle. Who the hell is La Rochelle? I've never <laughs> supported La Rochelle. But now I'm supporting La Rochelle and they're 17-0 down. Thanks, Raymond. Congratulations on your cup. But you've made me upset. Anybody but Leinster are my books, to be honest. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big Leinster fan. We know, we know that you love Ireland. Okay, we get it. We get it. Now, the one thing that that actually brings me on quite nicely onto is now La Rochelle obviously won 27 to 26 in what was really a home game for Leinster, if we're being honest. It was played in Dublin, albeit not at their home stadium. It was still Dublin. As you said there, they went 17-0 up in the first 12 minutes. Do you think that result actually spells trouble for Ireland? And the reason I ask that is 13 of the Ireland 23 started or were in that game for Leinster. And do we think that this makes Leinster the biggest chokers of all time, given the fact that they lost to La Rochelle last year, they lost to the Bulls last year, they choked in the semi against Munster, and they've gone and done it again, when if we're being completely honest, Ross Byrne was in the exact same position as what Crowley was the week before to put in a drop goal, and he didn't. 
he didn't go for it. He decided to go down the blind because he thought he he saw space. I think it's I think it's quite interesting to be honest because obviously, like you say, thirteen of Ireland's players play for Leinster, so a lot of the way Leinster has been playing is Irish rugby at the end of the day, and it's if they're getting caught out by by La Rochelle, which is which French team and that, and it's it's classic Ireland rugby, then it does start raising some questions. Whereas did Ireland peak too soon? Because that's one thing that uh, the Springboks have done well every time that we've won the World Cup is we've gone in a, as as underdogs. I mean, even just watching what is it the breakdown they were they were going on about you know France and Ireland they they're going to win and is is New Zealand the third choice and that like not mentioning South Africa at all classic Kiwi <laughs> classic Kiwi trade but that's how we like that's how we like it we like coming in. As the underdogs, we are currently being seen as this this building block at the moment with the Springboks. Like we're building this team up for the World Cup, and that, that's what we enjoy. We don't like being found out before World Cup and that. So, whether that spells another quarterfinal knockout for Ireland or not, I'm not too sure. We'll have to see because obviously, when they are all together, they've just been on fire. But they've been on fire before. And they've uh, sizzled out by the time World Cup uh, comes around. So, who knows? Now, Ireland obviously have the the hoodoo of never having made it out of a quarterfinal during the World Cup, and everybody's saying this is the year for them to do that. What they forget is if they top or come second in their pool, they have to play either France or likely the All Blacks in that quarterfinal game. If they come up against France, the All Blacks or they've had better form against the All Blacks recently, I just can't see them doing doing it. I, I can see an Ireland exit in the quarterfinals. I think I think the only reason that happens is, isn't is based off performance. I, I really don't see it because obviously they've just been on fire. And I, I still, I mean, look at the end of the day, as much as Leinster lost the finals, they're still performing really well. You have another Irish team sitting in the URC finals as well. Ireland's looking extremely, extremely dangerous for the World Cup. The only thing is, just like the Proteas have looked so good in so many Cricket World Cups, we just have that little monkey on our backs calling us chokers. And that's what it boils down to. Is is Ireland going to let that voice of choke, choke, choke sort of um, drown them out and, and, you know, they end up losing in that? Or are they able to sort of push through that, sort of be confident as a team as, they, as they've shown? being being number one in the world and it's um yeah i think i think it's going to boil down to that i think i've got a great team and if if ever they're going to make it out of the quarterfinals and potentially into a final then this is this is their year and i will say here first that i'm a springbok fan through and through there's there's no other team that i want to see win besides the springboks but if Ireland make it to the final, it means Springboks aren't in the final. And if they do, I'm getting on a plane, I'm meeting Scotty Boy, and we're going to get pissed in Ireland. Well, I can tell you right now that Ireland are not going to make it out of the quarters. I just can't see it happening. I okay, just, I just well, if, if they make the finals, we're meeting up in Dublin. I Fine. got a bloody mullet. You can agree Deal. to this. Deal. Deal. Damn. Happy with that. Now, another shout-out needs to go to none other than Cheslin Colby, who maybe wasn't his attacking flair self over the weekend. However, put on offensive masterclass at 15 for Toulon. That led to a Man of the Match award. He was just... I don't know if you managed to see it, Steaks, 
He put in two absolutely monstrous tackles on the line. And then as he was getting up, and this apparently pissed off quite a lot of the Glasgow fans, as he was getting up, he decided to give the the Glasgow wing just a just a little head tussle. Just a little hiya bud. Oh yeah. <laughs> um but but great crack there from Cheslin. Now talking about weekend's results, province beating the Pumas 22 to 14. Now they played that at Athlone Stadium because the Stormers are trying to keep what is, if we're being completely honest, a shocking pitch at Cape Town Stadium in good order for the final. It was far from from perfect display from both sides. It was very much an aerial game, Stiggs. There wasn't very much running rugby in it. It felt like it could go either way at some points. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a it was a close game nonetheless, but yeah, not not a super exciting game like say the the Bulls versus uh, the the Lions. But um, yeah, yeah, not uh, not super exciting. Again, it's it's all these results are so funny. Are they just like like there is no major URC players or anything playing for Province now? But you know, we notching a win off the what were the top dogs, and then cheetahs go and lose to sharks and that. So again, sort of goes down to what we were saying last week. Is man, it just seems like anyone's game at the moment. Yeah, and I mean the, the you mentioned it there, cheetahs losing sharks 35 cheetahs 23 really big bonus point victory for for the sharks there that's led to them actually going joint top of the table with the cheetahs top of the tables starting to look a little bit spicy as we're getting into the the latter rounds no i, I love to see it to be honest i mean i thought that scoreline was a little bit flattering you know cheetahs had like a little try at the end there but it seemed like sharks are just miles ahead for Pretty much the whole game, man. Pretty much the whole game. It only, like I say, made the scoreline look a bit flattering at that little try at the end. But nice to see. Nice to see Sharks uh, Sharks on a bit of a winning streak and, you know, meeting the boys there up at the top. So going to be very interesting. And then the other game that you called completely incorrectly, <laughs> which is surprising given how much you love, and I mean love, the Griffins. Griffins going down 21 to 47. The misery is just continuing. The only the only upside is uh at least they kept it below 50. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100 percent We love the Griffins on this podcast, and we've given them some shit. But you know, I'm a I'm a staunch Griffin fan. I just want to see them win. I just want to see them win. But uh yeah, nothing, nothing too impressive. Um, obviously, Rick was just coming off there with a nice solid win. Seems like that's just the the point collector against the Griffins at the moment, but yeah, you never know. Maybe they're building. Building for 2035. <laughs> Lions went down to the Bulls narrowly. Lions 32, Bulls 33. Now the Sharks are the other team that's obviously started stacking their side with a couple of URC players. Same can be said of, of the Lions and the Bulls. They went in really, really stacked with those URC players, but Gianni Lombard sent a drop goal attempt wide after the 80th minute. That could have been the real difference there. Yeah, no, 100%. Proper little arm wrestle that match. Really enjoyed it. I watched the highlights on Saturday. And yeah, very, very, very good game of rugby, to be honest. And just your bulls holding on at the end there. And um, Stig, tell me your thoughts on Johan Huesen and his current form. I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't say that it's out of this world at the moment. We usually would take three. You'd usually take two specialist fly halves and maybe one 
kind of versatile utility back who can cover the fly half position with you to the World Cup. Do you think he makes it into the World Cup squad at the moment? Jan Hussen, he's just not really gripped me at all so far this season. I think he's um doing doing the basics very well. He's very decent. Um, I'm trying to think of a an, another fly off that could that could sort of definitely take that. I mean, the the one and two spots secured, hundred percent. I mean, Lubbock has that number two spot any day of the week. I I was thinking Pollard and, and Lubbock is as one and two, obviously, but then Damian Willemser, he's he's the other one that you'd you'd be saying is that versatile utility back, that role. So you've got Franz Stein, but Franz Stein's currently injured and, and you, you can't really slot him in there. So Franz Stein's not injured. He's resting. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, no. I mean, I mean, that's, that's what I was sort of thinking as well. You know, obviously you have Damien Willems there. Um, you have the experience of Franz Stein. I mean, you look at sort of that number three spot um, or sort of that utility player and that there's not really anyone sort of, you know, outshining completely. So you you never really know, you know, that again, you win World Cups, not based on form, but based on experience, you know, because form only gets you so far. But if you're not equipped for those high pressure moments, you're not going to do well. Look at Leinster. You know what I mean? I mean it's, uh, it's it's one of those things. Ron Stein can cover 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, 6, 7, 8. Prop. <laughs> 1, 2, 3. I'm not sure there's any way that he can't cover, to be honest. Now, speaking of the, the Bulls, Johan Hussen there, we had a chat with current Montpellier lock, but former Bulls player, Nicholas Janssen von Rensburg. Here's everything that he had to say. We are delighted to be joined by Challenge Cup winner, top 14 champion, Springbok Lock, and all-round nice guy, Nico Jans van Rensburg. Nico, how are you? Yeah, doing well. Awesome. So back end of the season, holidays around the corner, so can't wait. Now, Nico, you moved from the Bulls to Montpellier in, in 2016, I believe, and you're quite young at the time. But for those that, that don't really know your story, what was the reason that you moved to, to Montpellier and what, what made you find yourself over there in France? So my I was brought up in Pretoria. My whole life I lived uh, back in Pretoria and uh, the dream was playing for the Blue Bulls, playing there, play as many caps, maybe 100 caps if possible. And then... Uh, what happened is uh, I fell out of uh, choice, if you can say it like that. My doors closed a little bit. Because of a lack of game time, I, I needed to move. Um, I got an opportunity to go to, to the Sharks, but he didn't realize. And then uh, Jake White actually brought me over to Montpellier. He was uh, he was the coach back then uh, for, for the club. And... I knew that you play a lot of rugby in uh, in France. I would get my chance. And now, yeah, seven years later, I'm still in Montpellier playing my rugby in France. Wow, it's um, it's, it's pretty crazy, actually, when I was doing research and everything. I mean, 22 is, is such a young age to go overseas. Uh, usually players go when they're like a little bit older. But Jake White, obviously, as you said, saw some massive potential in you as a young player. How was that move to a foreign country as such a young player? Yes, definitely. Like moving to a foreign country, 
I was lucky enough that I moved to Montpellier where there was a lot of South Africans at that stage. I think in total with the staff included, we were 16 people or 16 South Africans. So that made it easy, but still learning a foreign language, adapting to the cultures, it's it was difficult. And uh, uh, I think the big challenge for me was moving away from my family. I was still living in my, my parents' home, used to momming. <laughs> washing the dishes, making food, cleaning, everything for me. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're alone. You have to do everything yourself. You have to go to the bank, buy yourself. If if your car breaks, it's you who needs to call someone to fix it. So I think the, the biggest challenge was adapting to the culture. But as I said, with all the South Africans here, it was easier a time, if I can say, if I moved to maybe to Claremont or something like that, at that stage it would have been more difficult. But I think the biggest thing to uh, was to adapt to the French culture because after a year, Jake White moved away, and then slowly but surely, less and less South Africans was contracted at the club. And I think that we we only like four guys, five guys left. So it, I got eased into it, but. I think it shaped me as a person as well. Like uh, I spoke to one of my friends today, Henry Thomas. He's actually an English player that's now selected for the Wild squad. So it's like you get molded in with a new environment. And I think you grow as a person. So the biggest challenge was also the thing that made me the man I am today. So I'm very grateful for the for the challenge. I think I think initially, obviously, like as you first got there, were there any sort of players, um, older players that sort of stuck out as uh, acting the the mommy role and sort of like giving <laughs> you a hand in just life? A lot yeah. of guys. Uh, so at that stage, Yanni and Bismarck Duplessis was here. Both of them were always, always open for help. I still chat to Yanni for, I ask him for advice. He's, he's quite a clever guy. So yeah, there's... Uh, there, there many guys. Another guy that will, he's still here, one of my great friends is Paul Willems. He's only two years older than me, but when I have a problem that I can't fix myself or I need life advice even, I, I, I tend to ask him for advice. You mentioned Paul Willems there, and he obviously plays with, with you at Montpellier and started started his life in, in South Africa. Now, one of my favorite quotes from him is that the, the tight head lock is the sole remaining lock and the loose head lock is like a back rower. I'm sure he said this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we, agree, we have this. Do you agree with him? Do you agree with him? Are you, or are you slightly more traditional in, in terms of your views? So I, I think he's got a point to it, but I don't agree with him. Obviously not, because then I'm saying I'm not a lock anymore. But <laughs> in France, the scrum is almost everything. So a lot of the games, they they pick two tight deadlocks on in our tight five. So then you have one guy weighing 125, one that's 130. You can imagine the scrum is just, it's just a little bit better than uh, having a lock that's a little bit more uh stainless if i can say it like that more mobile um but it's for me it's getting the balance right so i, I can do something he can't do i can win the lineouts i can sprint a bit faster and so on and he can do what i uh, i can't do he can he's a bone crusher he when someone ru- ru- runs in his channel they know about it afterwards so i think he, he jokes a little bit about it as well i think he 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 searches for a little bit of a response as well. So 
if you give it to him, he, he actually enjoys it. But no, uh, so no, I don't agree with him. But he, he's gonna it depends what you're looking for. You've mentioned that the French loving the scrum over there. What what's really stood out to me over the course of the last kind of two years watching top fourteen rugby is the noise at scrum time, which you don't really experience <laughs> anywhere else in the world. One one of the questions I had is obviously French rugby is immense and the support that they've got with the national side flying, obviously the World Cup's happening later on this year. There are now other countries that are kind of struggling to to grow the game. What do you think the French teams or the French public have done or are doing so right to have the supporters that they do? I mean, La Rochelle over the weekend's a prime example. You look at the scenes there early hours of the morning. So the fans are more fanatic. I don't I'm not sure how they get it right, but even in the Pro Deux, that's the second division, you get a game where Biarritz plays against Bayonne. Stadiums are packed. People are marching in the streets. I'm getting goosebumps because we played against Bayonne, Bayonne a few weeks ago. And they have this almost like an anthem for the team they sing before the game. So it's it's not just a thing I think commercially wise. They, it's like a culture that's been building for the couple of years now, like more than a couple of uh, decades, basically. Uh, Toulon. A history, a strong history of rugby. If you're a torn-on rugby player and you walk into the street, in the streets, the people they greet you. They, uh, if you're walking into the, the 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 butchery, they will give you some meat for free. So our managers from from Toulon, he, he he was a manager at Toulon for a couple of years, a lot of years as well. So it's a thing that's been coming for a lot of years. It's not just okay. They they. They successful in the Champions Cup, La Rochelle, two years in a row, and now they see the, the supporters. Even my first year when I arrived here at La Rochelle, the, the the stadium was packed every game. It's 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 a very popular sport. If it's raining, the people still come to the stadiums. If it's snowing, the people come to the stadiums. Clermont is basically it's. I think it's like 70% or something like that is season ticket holders. So if you go watch a Clermont game, you struggle to get tickets. So I think it's in the culture. Football is is even bigger, but the rugby is in the culture. You were brought up with it. And you, it's just keep it's the momentum the French side has now, the international side, and Toulouse and La Rochelle, and now Toulon doing good in the Challenge Cup. I think this is only building the competition. I know with the stats on last year, six nations when uh, France won the won the Grand Chelem, the most of the viewers were from France as well, and so it's it's growing at, at, even as a culture. So we think in South Africa that we love rugby. I think we do. We really do love rugby. But if you look at the stadiums, it's not packed every weekend. Where in in France, even if you're playing for a side that's not successful the season. The supporters still come. They're still there every week, every week, every week. So I think they have a more forgiving nature as a supporter. When in South Africa, we tend to be harsh on teams and players, rightfully so. That's how we, we just want to win. But in France, it's a little bit more leniency towards the team if they lose. And it's a little bit of a party as well. They they come to drink a few beers. They come for wine and cheese at halftime in the VIP book. So no, it's, I think it's a culture. It's a culture thing. Yeah. I think it's um, quite interesting that you say that obviously how big the, the French support is. And I mean, even just the, 
the stadiums as a whole in Europe just seem to have such a huge vibe when it's the the teams playing. And obviously we see it now with um, the Stormers doing so well. You obviously have a winning team now. The stadium at uh, in Cape Town has just been doing really well in terms of ticket sales. Yes, it it's obviously it's it, it's quite tough when you look at teams like the Bulls and the Lions and even the Sharks and that. And it almost seems like we need to have a, a bit of a winning team. But obviously the um, amalgamation of the South African teams joining the European clubs and that, I don't know, maybe it was just, you know, I mean, the Bulls won it, uh, I think, three times the Super Rugby. But I think supporters in South Africa just sort of gave up on the Super Rugby because we just we, mm-hmm. we would never win and we'd never really cross that finishing line. And obviously now you have the Stormers potentially going back to back in the URC. How do you think that sort of is going to play in the sense of filling up stadiums, the South African teams joining the European teams? So obviously I saw the tickets were sold out like midweek already. So <laughs> I actually laughed. I saw a post where they said some of the tickets were sold for three euros and some page made fun of it. But first of all, <laughs> the stormers, the momentum they're bringing, that, that will bring in supporters. Like I said, South Africans in particular, I remember growing up as a Bulls fan, my my dad, if, he, if the Bulls are not winning, half time he would switch off the TV. So get frustrated. It's just how it was, um, and still is. With with the Stormers doing so good, I think they have a massive culture of rugby in in, in the province. So I think it will just boost it. I, I have my both <laughs> fingers crossed they can pull it through this weekend again. So my money is on the Stormers. It's going to be tough. I saw they didn't. They haven't won Munster yet or something like that. So hopefully they can they can cross that that bridge this weekend. You previously mentioned kind of the commercial aspect of, of French rugby. With the South African teams joining both the Challenge Cup and the Champions Cup, do you think they're going to struggle a little bit in terms of the, the salary cap? I think specifically is probably something that, that springs to mind. They obviously did really well during the pool stages, but then fell away at the end towards the finals and semifinals. The top two international sides in the world at the moment are obviously France and Ireland. And in Rans, the cap between those two are between 131 and 199 mil. That obviously doesn't include your, your marquee players. And the, the cap in South Africa at the moment is 60 million rand with it due to, to go up slightly. Do you think that that financial aspect has a really big impact on the success of teams? And then the follow-up question to that is, do you think South African teams are going to struggle to retain players when those European teams start getting more sight of their players because they're playing in the same leagues? So the first question, the gap between the teams financially is massive. If you compare uh, the, the season I came here, the the Bulls' budget were eight times smaller than Montpellier's budget. So that's why we had some 16 South Africans in the team. So obviously you're going to lose players. Um, I think the the quality of uh, of coaches in South Africa is very high. We we are very spoiled with John Dobson, the uh, Jake White, and then now John Plumtree. I think there's really good coaching. So. Uh, the margin they can make up a little bit of the margin there but the problem is when you get injured if two teams get injured it's difficult to have three good teams in South Africa it's, then you start changing guys positions okay same thing everywhere but I think it's difficult for South African teams at this stage with the 
there is money in South Africa. The, the owners are there with the Sharks, the Bulls, the HL, with the Stormers. I think there is money. So with a little bit of budget improvements or budget cap lifting, uh, I think that might actually draw a few guys back to South Africa. As you saw, as you've been seeing the last few years, a little bit of the guys are coming back. A good option always is to say, well, guys, you can't play for South Africa. If it goes there, it's an option to do, to close the gap as well. But in general, you will struggle against sides like Toulon. And we didn't do this that well this season. But in previous seasons, we did very well winning the, uh, the top 14 last season. It's because we have we have a budget to buy big players. Um, but it's not everything. That's the thing. With good coaching, you 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 can build a team. I remember the 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 Lions a few years back. They didn't have the best team, but they went back to back Super Rugby finals. They didn't manage to beat the Crusaders. But it, the money is one aspect of it. We have a, a a good squad, but in France we're not the best squad. Money isn't everything. So I think it's a mixture of things. Uh, and if you can get the mixture right you win the Champions Cup. So that's the thing with La Rochelle now. They, they have the money. They can buy players like Will Skelton, the both South African wingers playing there. They, it's it's easier, I reckon. I think South Africa, it was our first, first season in Champions Cup. I think we're going to do better every year. The guys, it's... The guys are now getting used to playing over Christmas, getting used to traveling. I, hopefully from... In my perspective, I think we struggled in the Champions Cup and in the URC sometimes when when the flights are read about the hours the guys had to travel, that plays a massive difference, makes a massive, massive difference to perform. If you know you're only arriving on Wednesday, half of the team on Monday, your body is aching, it's 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 not fair. Like the Stormers had to travel to Exeter. Some of the guys arrived late. They traveled too long. It's You could see them Saturday. I'm not making excuses for the Stormers now, but you could see them. It's a different team playing against Exeter than the week before. They just didn't have the, the spark. So uh, if they can sort that out, that will make a bigger difference as well already without even talking about budgets or whatever. Just getting the travel right, making it equal, making it fair. So the Stormers, I think... Uh, if if we actually beat the we played uh, against Exeter in Exeter in the top sixteen and we drew and they went through because of the tries they scored more tries. If we qualified, we had to do the same trip the Stormers had to do, but we played on Sunday, would have had even less time to recover and play the Stormers and we would have lost by fifty points. So now that's I think that's the biggest problem in the Champions Cup in the URC if they can just sort out that. I think I think South Africa is only going to do better. I think the the French teams and a lot of French players are not really happy with South Africa joining, but I think it's a great thing for South Africa playing against the best teams in Europe. The big sides are just going to improve every year. Every year they're going to get used more used to the traveling, more used to the uh, climate because it's also winter in in Europe when it's summer. So the climate is going to make a difference. We're going to get used to it. It was our first first run, and I, I think we're only going to improve on it. It's sort of mentioned the coaching and everything like that, and obviously pride in teams. Uh, you yourself are obviously an Uffie's old boy, top school in, in South Africa. 
And you yes. always seemed like you were destined to play professional rugby by playing for the Bulls at under 16 and under 18 level. Just for like any kids that may be listening into this, um, did you ever feel like a large amount of pressure being such a high, highly rated prospect when you were younger by, you know, peers, coaches or, or anything like that? And if you did, how did you sort of manage that uh, that pressure? At school, I didn't feel pressure like that because the big thing is in office at that stage, we were quite performing every year. I was just another another guy in the team. Uh, so I made the under-16 Craven Week side. I weren't even invited to the to the price dealing, what do you call that, uh, with the, the night awards yeah. through the uh, prize giving. I wasn't even invited to the prize giving making Craven Week. So... No, it's just another guy in the team. So I, I never felt like the pressure of being a prospect. And then after school, I actually went studying at Tuts because I weren't sure, am I going to play rugby? Am I good enough? I thought, okay, I played a little bit training week, a little bit of SA schools here, but I never thought, oh, I have this mountain of pressure on my shoulders. That's why I went to study for the plan B. That's maybe a, a mistake I made. Maybe I should have put a, a, a little bit more pressure on me performing a little bit better be playing for the bigger teams at an earlier age i didn't put enough pressure on me so it, for a youngster i would say you do your part if you do your part is the pressure you can't let anyone else put pressure on you so that's what i did i didn't let someone else put pressure on me you need to put the pressure on yourself to perform actually so looking back at at my career I would actually tell a youngster, you you put the pressure on yourself, not stuffing around, get your stuff done, get your job done and dream big. Don't put yourself on the on a, a low pedestal, put yourself on a high pedestal. Get your mind on what you want, make sure what you want and then go full out. Don't have a plan B. Do what the Vikings did. Burn the bridges, burn the burn the boats. When you when you have a plan, when you think this is your dream this is your passion this is you're capable of doing this burn the boats that's what i would would say to a youngster pretty cool pretty intense but very very true now obviously you, you talk about pressure and there's there's very few higher pressure environments than playing against the british and irish lions 2021 you ended up playing against the British and Irish Lions for the South Africa A team, which I call the unofficial fourth test. <laughs> if you look yeah. at both of those teams, they're, they're both world-class. You then went on to be capped by the Springboks against Argentina. Have you heard anything from the Springbok coaching group since? And where are you at in terms of your international career? So I was still, I traveled to, I played my test, the first test against Argentina, and then we traveled Australia. And then my, my dad fell sick with very sudden news. And uh, um, my wife actually phoned me during the first test against Australia and uh, in a panic. And they said, uh, I must speak to my dad. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm speaking to my dad. And and then he, that was the last I actually spoke to him. So he was he fell into a coma and I went I, I left the next morning for South Africa. I left the camp and my, my dad passed away, unfortunately. And uh, since then I, I was in contact with the medical staff up until my last injury in, in January. I uh, tore the ligaments in my foot. But so I've been in contact with the medical staff, not with the coaches. 
fingers crossed. <laughs> no, but on a serious note, I, I still I still have big ambitions to play for the Springboks. Like we have world class locks and loose forwards for the Springboks. I know Rossi and Jock. I think they're scratching their heads every night to who to take, who to leave because we we South Africa with with a with a lock factory. So I'm at the stage of, of my career that I. I, I think I've done what I need to do in, in France, really considering going back to South Africa. If that gives me a half a percent chance to play for the box again, I, I'll take that. Firstly, I mean, thank you for being so open and honest and, and quite raw, if if you will. And I lost my mom at 14, so kind of understand that, that yeah. kind of the, the emotions that you go through after that. And I think being an international rugby player and being a rugby player, those emotions may be even amplified because mm-hmm. you've got you've got those internal emotions that you're you're kind of working through, but then you also got all that noise from the outside. Now, on a slightly more personal note, how did you get through losing your father and, and continuing? Because to my mind, the way you've been playing for Montpellier has been unreal. Was it did you throw yourself back into rugby? Did you have to take some time away from the game? The club was gracious. They they gave me a few weeks off. And <laughs> the same weekend I made my return, I tore my calf uh, after the match. I went on, played 30 minutes, did a little bit of extras afterwards, and boom, my calf went. So out for six weeks. And I think at that stage, I I really needed a, a little bit of a break, but it was then a forced break. So it came at a, a good time, but I think... <laughs> I lost a little bit of my mind in that stage because if I could continue training, all, you, you can train upper body, but if you're in the mix, in the, like you said, the pressures of the game, your mind gets shifted away from from the grief and the, and the sadness because you need to be ready on the weekend. You can't stick on the on the grieving if you need to be focused. So it was, it was a forced uh, break and that I think that helped me because then I could start working through the the difficult part of it. So uh, I think it took me a while to to get better. Even after the injury, uh, I was I, I wasn't back on form. It was more mental mental battle than anything else because my I was quite close with my father. I still have my days. I miss him a lot, but. Uh, I think I'm I'm doing okay now. I think being in the grind, being in the games, that helps a lot. So it helps me clear my mind and focus on. And the other thing is, I got it. My son, my third son, was born. So every time I feel a little bit sad or a little bit depressed, I just hold my kids. My first kid is named after him, so I just cuddle with him. So that helps a lot as well. I think that's that's beautiful, genuinely, and. You actually touched on there, maybe even returning home, and and that maybe being a thing. Is that something that you're you're thinking about in in terms of maybe once once contracts up at, at Montpellier, and if so, have have you got your sights on returning back to the Bulls, or are you maybe going to go <laughs> to to where myself and Steegs are from and and boost the lot ranks at the Stormers? <laughs> well, there's, there's, both sides have got a lot of good looks now, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, I <laughs> I haven't thought of which side yet or 
what to do. I just, uh, I think I'm ready to come home. I have three, three boys, all three of them are under three years old. So I think if I want to keep my little bit of hair I have left on my head, I, I think I need my parents-in-law and my mother to help me a little bit. So now the, I have one more year in my contract, uh, one more season. That's from June. So next year, this time, uh, I'll most likely, most likely have to make a move. So I love the Blue Bulls. So <laughs> it will always be an inside lane. They will always have inside lane, but uh, time will tell what happens. Yeah, I think uh, absolutely no doubt, judging by your Instagram, uh, one of the first things you'll be doing is getting out in the wilderness when you're back in South Africa. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely sort of the, the, the outdoorsman in the sense of like spearfishing and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen you've been uh, obviously done quite a bit of hunting for, for quite a while. And I saw that yes. rhino conservation video as well. How did you get into that? Uh, into that that whole thing with the rhinos and that and how was that experience yeah yeah so my best friend back in SA he's a he's a vet so he, he does a lot of extra work to broaden his knowledge he's just one of those guys he wants to know everything and he took me on a trip like this and what, what we actually did there was we inseminated a, a, a rhino so you have to clean the rhino first up, <laughs> as you saw so that the, the, the rhinos can get inseminated. So they they just part of a course to 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 save the rhino and uh, it's a very good cause, I I reckon. Yeah, I know, fair enough. I, I I was just talking about the picture of you with the baby rhino. You, you just I was just the one with the baby rhino. Yeah, there's uh there's a there's one of my reels where I actually had to put my arm this deep into the rhino. <laughs> To clean the rhino, so yeah, yeah, the, the baby rhino is quite a cute picture. That's actually my friend in that uh, in that photo. Oh yeah, yeah, awesome. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is that is great. That is fantastic. Now, Nico, you're you're 29 now, and I, I believe your your birthday was actually at the start of the month. Is that right? So yeah, so happy, yeah, just a few few weeks ago. <laughs> happy birthday! You're you're freshly 29, and and we've kind of seen a, a trend of players going on till till almost 40. Sergio Paris Paris, um, yeah. Alan Jones, etc. Alan Jones obviously playing the same position as you, so shows you the the set. Yeah, it's possible. Too. <laughs> uh, do you see yourself staying in in rugby, and or is it is a case of you're going to be picking up the the coach's clipboard or? Touching on what Stieg's mentioned there, do you see see a bit of a, a life in the wild post rugby? So I, I would love to coach, but my my passion is not professional rugby players. <laughs> I know how we are. We are very selfish. I want to actually help younger guys from the age fourteen till sixteen. I think not just on a rugby rugby level, but helping create a, a good young man that's ready for life. I had a, a mentor like that. He's in, in uh, Pretoria, Yanni uh, Brooks. He's a conditioner, but he, he conditions you, but he also, he trains your mind. And so I would like to do a similar thing at, if I can, at office. It's not a professional, on a professional level, like I, I won't do it for the money. I would actually want to help the guys playing in the B and C sides to, so that's where I came from. That's to help them come through. I want to give back to, to my school. Uh, like it gave me a lot. Uh, I remember playing for the BNC teams. And if it wasn't for the coaches I had at office installing that you can you can play a, a team. You actually the guy, you you the guy we need in the A team. Just keep on working. 
it's the same with Yanni Brooks. He he was the guy that no, you're not at office now, you're not at the Bulls now. You do better than that. And that's a, that's the thing I would like to do with young guys as well after rugby to to install a winning winning mentality in them. That obviously speaks to the type of type of guy you are. And I think myself and Keegan, we were both really bad at rugby. I say both really bad. I think Keegan was average. I was horrible. So we, we could have used somebody around. Hey, we were we were very big fish in an extremely very small pond. <laughs> in a very, very small pond. Nico, just wanted to do a, a bit of a quick fire round with you, if that's okay. Uh, four quick questions. Just first name or thing that comes to your head, if, if you could hit us with that. Best player you've played with or against, specifically in the second row? In the second row. With, so let's go <laughs> Let's go with the, with the analogy I have. Victor Matfield, so he's a lock. <laughs> yeah. He would be the best lock I've played for. Uh, with I made my super rugby debut with him. He he just knew, uh, still knows most likely everything in and out about lineouts. He's an athlete. I remember my first super rugby preseason. He lined up next to me and told me, "Okay, let's do the beat test. If you if you beat me, I give you fifty rand." If so, he lined up right next to me and he just smashed me at ninety years old. He was like 30, 38, 37. So. Pure athlete, lineup specialist, great guy as well. Uh, best value or the loosest player you've ever played with? Who's who's good on a night out? Loosest player I've played with. I don't know if you guys will know him as Marvin O'Connor. He's a French guy. He plays sevens French as well for the French sevens side. He, he is the loosest cannon that I've ever met. So... After a few beers, the pants go down, no matter where you were. <laughs> that, but that's the, some of the Frenchies, they just like to party wild. So, Marvin O'Connor. <laughs> uh, best game of your career. What's what's the game that stands up? The best game of my career. This is going to sound funny. Uh, my, my my first team my first team against Great College in Matric. So, <laughs> we'll take it. That That is, that is best okay. Game. Those are yeah. always the ones that stand up because you can never go back to the <laughs> No, you can't, yeah, can you? Exactly, exactly. The final question yeah. is, do you have any pre-match rituals? Are you are you superstitious at all? I'm not superstitious at all. I have a very big, very big uh, ritual, like more like a routine. I like to eat my spaghetti bolognese. I like to eat my oats the morning before. I, I, I like the program. I, I just need to, I need to have a program very sick program so no no superstitious uh, superstition uh, but yes I, I love a very strict uh, a program well Nico you've been fantastic mate we really really appreciate you coming on the pod it's been super super interesting and insightful and and thank you so much for your time good luck this weekend uh, myself and Steve's will be rooting for you to to be in the the green and gold later on this year in France Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. And thank you for the invite. It was lovely talking to you guys. Stiggs, Nico Janssen from Rendsburg. What a nice guy. What a guy, man. Honestly, like like every single episode that we're doing is just getting better and better. Like getting to know these guys, the funny stories. And oh, man, I think hey, between you and me, we got to make sure we just consistent, consistent, consistent because this pod's on the up, boy. Yeah. Well, let's get into this weekend's uh, fixtures on that note. Steeg's usual quick fire round for the Curry Cup fixtures this weekend. Griffins v Sharks. Sharks. I genuinely thought you were going to go Griffins there. 
Province v the <laughs> Province v the Lions. Province. Cheaters v the Grequas. Cheaters. Yeah, I think that's safe bet. Bulls v Pumas. That's going to be an interesting one because we obviously have all these URC players coming back to the Bulls. So you have a Bulls that is pretty much on fire at the moment. Uh, bar one loss. Yeah, exactly. Bar, bar one little loss against a, against a pretty good team that made the URC final, am I right? <laughs> but um, I do think uh, Pumas are strong. They've been playing really well, but I think Bulls might just notch this one over, over there with uh, a bit of star power. But I will say, if the Pumas win this game, it's going to make it very in. It's going to make keep making it interesting the Curry Cup because you have a team that's stacked with URC players. Uh, everyone's sort of coming back, and if the Pumas can notch off a win, like winning the Curry Cup last year, it's sort of going to keep that. It, it's going to go anyway. I I can't see it happening personally, but we'll we'll see whether or not I'm proven wrong. Pumas won last year. I know. I I think Bulls by minimum ten. Yeah, I do think the Bulls are going to win though. Now, getting on to the big game for this weekend from South African's perspective. First things first, I was in the pub on Saturday and saw someone I know and he listens to the podcast and he said, have you considered renaming the podcast from the Safa pod to the Stormers pod? And no, I haven't, <laughs> but you know what? If the rest of the South African teams could just do a little bit better, We'd cover them a little bit. Hey, hey, that's all we ask. That's all we ask. You know what I mean? That's all we ask. Just do just do a little bit better. You know, just we be we better. wanted to, we wanted to rely on the sharks, you know, to give us a home final. But no, who do we go to? We go to the Irish teams. We go to the Irish teams to beat Leinster. Okay. We got a monster to beat Leinster so we can get our home final. Do better, sharks. Do better bulls, do better lions, and then maybe we'll stop talking about the stormers so much. Just kidding, yeah. we never will. <laughs> stormers pod for life. Now you, you've mentioned it there. We've re- relied on Munster for the home final. Interesting stat is obviously Stormers have never beat Munster. We lost them away in the first season of the URC, and actually that game was unreal and. The Stormers actually ran into, I think it was like a 17-point lead or something stupid and then threw it away in, in the second half. They then notched a win against us. First team to do that in the last two years at home. How do you see this one going? Do you think Munster are going to be the, the banana peel again? I, uh, I'm i going to sound so biased, but I just don't, I don't see them being able to be that banana peel, which I am incredibly grateful at the fact that we lost to them already. We, we've we got the loss. There's no pressure or anything. Now it's a final. You know what I mean? There's obviously that pressure of like, oh, we, we've never beaten them or anything like that. But hey, you learn a lot more from your losses than your wins. And I think Dobby's gone back and he's he's done a lot of, lot of research on that team. It's, it was very interesting sort of seeing, um, seeing them play Leinster because... You know, like like last season, Bulls managed to to beat Leinster in the semifinals. They threw the kitchen sink at it. You know what I mean? And the same thing with Munster now. Okay, they didn't have a couple of their star players, but they had to throw the entire kitchen sink at it. So we would get a very good idea of their of their game plan and everything like that. But 
I mean, in in essence, like I said last week, it's it's going to boil down to our attack. You know, is our attack going to be louder than than our defense? Because obviously, you had Connacht come um, coming and scoring an early try against us, and it is a really good feeling to have as a as a supporter. You don't really have it too much as a spring uh, with the Springboks, but you can kind of compare it to the the 2010s uh, New Zealand All Blacks team, where it doesn't matter how many points they're down. The game's not over. They are a second half team. They will come at you in the second half and they'll score those points. And I just, I do feel that when Stormers are really attacking well and we haven't been shut down at all, I think we can come back no matter what. So obviously got shut down a little bit in that uh, home game this season against Munster, but I don't, I don't think that it, I'm glad we lost that game. I'm glad we lost that game. I think Munster's season's been really interesting because I think they were in 14th place. At one point, they've thought it was horrible. They've they've won five away games to get them to this point. So hats off to them. One mm. is obviously that the, the loss that the Stormers had. There's going to be a big return of stars for Munster, more so for Munster than there will be for the Stormers because for Munster they get the likes of Malachi Fakatoa back. They get RG Snayman back. They get Connor Murray back. Those are three names that you'd, you'd say were pretty much usually going to be first on the team sheet. We have got the return of Dion Free, which is going to be big. But the other Huge. one will be, in my opinion, and, and this might be an unpopular one, the better return is probably going to be Marvin Ari. Because if you've got somebody like an RJ Snayman in, in Munster, that line-out is going to be crucial. Yeah, And we need a line-out specialist last time we didn't have that we didn't have that against Connor and our lineout suffered for it so it'll be interesting to see how the return of those players affects the outcome of the game and how well those players play because some of them might be slightly rusty do you think Dobson's going to go for the 6-2 split mm, oh, that's a good question because um, he seemed to he I has think... seemed to favor the 6-2 split throughout this year yeah I think I think he will. I think he will. Munster, uh, although I think Munster's Munster attacks the line very very frequently. So I mean they do have those players on the outside and that, and to have sort of fresh legs um, would would be great. But I think they they sort of more just have that powerful force in the forward. So I think a six two split would be would be sort of brilliant. You know, like don't don't fix what's not, what's not broken. You know, if you've been doing it the whole season, stick with it. You know, we have we have the players sort of coming back. We have our usual team, a, a very strong squad going into the finals. So I think yeah, he probably sticks with a six two. Now there's obviously also a lot of other rugby content on this weekend. However, before we get onto that. We're going to say a massive, massive thank you to Old School SA for giving away a free Stormers jersey. And we're giving away two tickets in tandem with that. Winner will be announced on Thursday evening. Hopefully, Steve, you're you're going to be at the game and, and you're going to enjoy it. And hopefully it's a good result. I'm hoping so, man. To be honest, we're going to be I'm going to be creating a lot of content while I'm there. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. I'm either going to be drinking, drowning my sorrows, or the whole of Cape Town is going to be celebrating. I think it's actually raining on Saturday, so it's going to be it's going to be quite an interesting atmosphere. A lot of other rugby content, as I said, the Barbarians are playing the World 15 over the weekend, and there's also the Prem Rugby Final Two. Now, hopefully, we see a couple of South African stars doing well on that. 
But that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you very much to Nicholas Jans von Rensberg. Please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on the socials and we will catch up with you next week. Bye.